I'm going to read from Luke 12, verses 13 to 22. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. This is a reading from Luke chapter 12, verses 23 to 34. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Look at the birds. They do not plant or harvest. They do not have storerooms or barns, but God feeds them. And you are worth much more than birds. You do, you cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. If you can't do even the little things, then why worry about the big things? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you, even Solomon, with his riches, was not dressed as beautifully as one of these flowers. God clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire. So how much more will God clothe you? Don't have so little faith. Don't always think about what you will eat or what you will drink. And don't keep worrying. All the, all the people in the world are trying to get these things, and your father knows you need them. But seek God's but seek God's kingdom, and all your need, other needs will be met. Don't trust in money. Don't fear, little flock, because your father wants to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Get yourselves purses that will not wear out, the treasure in heaven that never runs out, where thieves cannot steal and moths can't destroy. Your heart will be where your treasure is. You know, listening to those readings from Luke's Gospel earlier, I am pushed towards the conclusion that Jesus probably wasn't a capitalist. The rich man who had so much stock, he was left with no other avenue to pursue but pulling down his barns and building bigger ones. That is the man who has attained the capitalist dream of success. Enough money to retire on and live in comfort and do nothing but just eat, drink and be merry. 
Think of all those jobs he was creating through the demolition of his old barns, the construction of new ones, and the people he could afford to employ to run his business while he put his feet up in the Caribbean. He is the epitome of capitalist success. Yet Jesus labels him a fool because he spent his life storing up things for himself but gave no thought to being generous as far as God was concerned. Indeed, so self-obsessed is he that when it comes to formulating his plans, he has no one to discuss them with but himself. So that's what he does, as the authorised version puts it so well. I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast laid up much good for many years. But all his wealth doesn't secure him the rights of what happens to his soul. Since God determines that that very night this man's soul will be required of him. And all his wealth, seemingly the absence of any will, goes who knows where, probably to the tax man. At least that's what would happen today. So despite all his wealth, this man has no security. And that must give us pause, because having more than enough money in the bank is the way in which we register our sense of security, most of us. But Jesus warns us not to measure the quality of our lives by the abundance of our possessions. Yet we live in a day and age when we are driven all the time by advertisers to measure the equality of our lives by how much we have, by driving this kind of car, owning that kind of property, living in that particular area, having those designer labels on our clothes, wearing that particular watch, constantly upgrading to the latest computer, phone or gaming system. In fact, the aim of advertisers is to ensure that we never reach the point where we can say, that's it. I'm content now. I've got everything I need and as much as I could ever want to live in comfort. What? What happens to the economy if we all start saying that? If people stop spending money on things we really don't need? For the past 50 years, economic policy has been built on the principle of growth. Having plenty of goods and services that people will be pushed to spend their money on. And ensure, of course, that they have easy access to credit if they haven't got the money to spend on the things that they want. And so it is that, ironically, although we in the UK, most of us, enjoy an unprecedentedly unprecedentedly high standard of living compared with times past and probably, actually, for the foreseeable future as well, it hasn't made us any more happy or contented. On the contrary, despite the level of comfort at which we live, levels of stress and anxiety are at record highs. Prescriptions for antidepressants exceeded 50 million in 2012. For all its comfort and its apparent security... Stress seems to be an inescapable part of modern living. According to the American Psychological Association's Stress in America survey for 2014, 72% of adults report feeling stressed about money at least some of the time. 22% say they experience extreme stress about money. Top reported triggers include paying for unexpected expenses, paying for essentials and saving for retirement. And while money generally stresses people out across the board, the survey finds that the hardest hit stress-wise are parents, 
those uh, millennial generation, the generation Xs, and lower income households. In other words, as someone cynically observes, anyone besides wealthy baby, baby boomers who haven't got children to support. In this country, if you want to avoid stress, you're better off not working for the NHS, you're better off not going into education, the three low-level stress jobs, apparently, the top three are working as an audiologist, helping people to hear properly, a hairstylist, or a jeweller. Not a minister, alas. <laughs> Why is life so stressful? Cosmo Hallström, a consultant psychiatrist and a fellow of the Royal College of Psychiatrists, says that life, on the surface at least, is better than ever for most of us. Services are better. Education is better. We have comfortable homes and plenty of entertainment. But he says, as the standard of living has accelerated, our expectations have grown. We're bombarded with messages about how great life should be and feel like failures when things don't turn out like that. And there's a point. The burden of expectation is a very heavy one to carry. It's loaded onto us at childhood by ambitious parents whose anxieties about whether their children will do well enough at school are exacerbated by the government's ever higher demands for greater educational achievement in ever younger children. If you're worried about whether your child is doing well enough, there's a real danger that you will load onto them a heavy burden of high expectation of achievement. And how many of us who've got out of childhood, as we take stock of our lives, whatever decade it is we find ourselves in, how many of us are doing what we hoped we would be doing at this stage? How many of us have achieved all that we dreamt we might achieve? What have we done with our unfulfilled ambitions? How does it feel to see younger people going faster and further than we have been able to do ourselves? It's hard to look round and compare what we have and how we live with how other people live and what they have. It's a major source of dissatisfaction and stress. And if you're still at work with no prospect of a comfortable pension pot when you retire, how do you feel about those who are living quite comfortably, thank you, on their final salary pensions? In these days where so many people are finding it hard to make ends meet, you read the parable of the rich man who's got nothing better to do but pull down his barns and build bigger ones, and the uncharitable bit of you might think, yes, he deserved everything he got. So when Jesus tells us that we shouldn't worry or we shouldn't anxious be anxious about money, it's a message that is as relevant for the 21st century in this country as it was for first century listeners in Galilee. Don't worry about your life, he says. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't stress about what you're going to wear. The birds get plenty to eat because God feeds them. And God clothes the lilies of the field with such beauty. And you are worth so much more than the birds and the flowers. So why worry? It's not going to add a single hour to your life. In fact, it's more likely to take hours off your life than add to them. And if you can't do just that little thing, if you can't add an hour to your life, why are you bothering about everything else? Your father knows just what you need. And it's his good pleasure 
to give you his kingdom. So stop worrying about performance targets and appraisals and assessments, the pressure to, to move on to the next level of a promotion. Just seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And God will give you this and everything else into the bargain. Sounds so simple and easy, doesn't it? And when you stop and think about it, maybe it's just a little bit unrealistic. After all, those birds have to work extremely hard to keep alive, don't they? Feeding themselves and their young is a major priority. And knowing how beautiful the summer lilies look isn't much comfort where you're struggling to afford extra layers to try and keep warm in the winter. It's definitely an idealised picture that he paints. So is his simple homespun advice really helpful to us in the stress-laden realities of modern living? I don't know how many people here have watched Channel 5's new reality TV show, 10,000 BC. Any viewers here? Ah, one or two. Excellent. You will know that it's about putting a group of people back in Stone Age conditions to see how they cope. John Paul Mullen, one of the participants, says he quite liked it. Once he got over his withdrawal symptoms from not having McDonald's whenever he felt peckish. He said it's less stressful than normal life. I had no worries other than making sure I had enough wood for the fire and food for the evening. And I knew those were things I could get. In the 21st century, there's so much more to worry about. And it's not always something you can control. The more you have, the more you have to lose. The more there is to worry about. I'm not sure, actually, I would want to swap places with the people living in 10,000 BC for all the rosy picture he talks about it. We live, I think, in the best time and the best place to be alive in the history and the geography of the world at the moment. He makes it sound so simple, but there'll be times when people living in 10,000 BC couldn't get fire to keep warm and they couldn't get enough to feed themselves. And it makes me wonder... How those who heard Jesus speaking responded to his easy-on-the-ear message about letting go of your worries and trusting in God, because for them, a failed harvest meant starvation or slavery. It wasn't just all there, not my favourite brand of bread on the supermarket shelves today. So then, as now, you have to wonder, how realistic is this advice that he gives us? And yet, for all that, the basic message remains valid. Don't worry doesn't achieve anything. Worrying is a paralysing emotion. Stops us getting on with doing anything. We, we can't settle to anything else because we're worried about what might happen or what the future might bring. It makes no difference to the outcome of tomorrow, but it does rob strength, rob today of its strength, as Corrie ten Boom said. Trusting God doesn't mean that we sit back and expect whatever we need to fall into our laps out of heaven. It's not a divine mandate for the lifestyle of a couch potato. Making ends meet will involve hard work. It does entail counting the pennies. It can refuse to play the game of measuring the quality of our life by how much we can afford to spend on luxuries. But it does invite us to find our security in God And Jesus says, let the quality of your life be measured by the extent to which you are generous with what you have. Be that plenty or barely enough. Don't measure your security by how much you have to spend on yourself. 
but rather how much you have to benefit the lives of others. Because money was always designed to be a means to an end, and never an end in itself. And remember that your generosity, whether measured in time or money, could just be the means of enabling somebody else just to scrape through to the end of the week, or the end of the month. What Jesus envisages, I think, is a life lived in partnership with God. So that we say to God, Lord, you've given me this job. Help me to do it to the best of my ability. You have entrusted me with these responsibilities. Help me to fulfil them. You've given me this family. Enable me to pull my weight. I have these bills to pay. Help me to save or to find the money. I'm looking for a job. Give me the determination to keep on applying until I find the right one. And that is, that is praying in the expectation that God will be with us and working alongside us. That's different from worrying, which is just fear of the unknown and of our own inability to deal with because of our lack of our own resources. Worry haunts us when we think about all the things that could go wrong. What might happen? And let's be honest, trusting in God doesn't mean that things won't go wrong and that what we fear will never happen. But trusting in God means that we can be sure that he is with us in the midst of whatever it is that lies ahead of us. We're not left on our own inadequate emotional and financial resources. God's presence with us is the one thing that is guaranteed every day and for eternity. So maybe the key to stemming our anxieties and stresses and worries lies to some extent in revising the expectations we place on ourselves or allow others to pile on our shoulders. Afterwards, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air don't have huge expectations. Instead of setting our sights on all the things that we want to possess or achieve, Jesus says, focus on God's kingdom. But that contains everything that we need. And that is about living our lives in partnership with God, under his control and direction, asking him to enable us to make the most of the raw material of our personalities and the advantages of living in 21st century Britain, to make the most of his gift of life to us. So beware of setting your sights and judging your worth on attaining that promotion, getting that pay rise, going on that holiday, living in that house. Being a Christian doesn't mean you won't get any of these things, but it does mean recognising that they are not the be-all and the end-all. Because the more you have, the more you have to lose. Just as the man who wanted to build bigger and bigger barns found out. So do what you can to make the most of your life, playing the hand that God has given you and trusting him for all those things that are outside of your control. Your life, your future, your eternal destiny are in his hands. And you can trust him because he cares for you with all his heart. Let's pray. Lord, those of us who have serious worries may find it difficult to stop worrying.
Lord, would you send your spirit into our hearts and enable us to hear you speaking into our lives. Make it personal. Jesus, enable me to hear those words that you spoke all those years ago to different people. Enable me to hear you speaking into my heart. And all those things that are outside of our control, all those sources of worry and stress and anxiety, Lord, help us to lift them and place them in your hands. Increase our trust in you. Raise the level of our trust until the worries spill out and fall away and our lives are filled with faith. Because you are a faithful and a gracious and a loving God. Enable us to know your love and to trust in you because of it. In Jesus' name.